0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Mix profound sadness, shock, and anger with relief, fear, guilt, and any number of other emotions— and you have the difficult and messy experience of grief. Today, we're going to talk about nine important things to know about navigating loss. Hello, and welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Wu, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. So let's get into the difficult topic of grief. Grief can follow any loss not just the death of a person, but also the end of an important relationship, an illness or injury that changes your life, loss of a job that was your identity, or missing important rites of passage. Even positive events like graduation may trigger grief as you enter the real world. Right now, many people are experiencing loss due to the tragedy of the coronavirus pandemic. Families have lost loved ones to COVID-19, and the loss is made even more heartbreaking because those grieving are often isolated from the people who formed their usual social support system. Millions who have lost jobs may have lost not only a potentially life-altering source of financial safety, but also sense of purpose, an identity, a community, a passion. Even for those who are more fortunate, whose lives and jobs are intact, there may still be a profound sense of loss. I know people who are canceling weddings, family reunions, and anticipated travel or educational opportunities. And thinking back to my own senior week in graduation, I feel a real wrench in my heart when I realize how many high school and college students will be missing out on all the celebrations that go on with this momentous rite of passage. As we all try to navigate these unprecedented times, here are nine important things to know about handling grief and loss. They won't take away the pain, but I hope they help you navigate your way through it. So first, There is no right way to grieve. You wouldn't tell anyone else how to grieve. Don't try to control your own grief either, especially with the first or most profound grief you've experienced. Likewise, let go of any shoulds that pop into your head. Like, I should have prevented my mother's suffering. I shouldn't feel this bad about fill-in-the-blank when other people are losing their lives. I should get over it. Withholding judgment is especially important when it comes to crying. Some individuals feel better after a good cry and can let the tears flow easily. Many others want to cry but can't. Still, others will grieve internally, never showing grief through tears. So, don't try to force yourself or someone else to cry. On the flip side, don't tell someone to be strong if their tears are flowing. Second thing to know is that there is no stopwatch on grief. The conventional wisdom used to hold that the grieving process took about a year. After the loss, you were supposed to experience each season and holiday, and then all was expected to be fine. Thankfully, that's not expected anymore. The truth is, grief takes as long as grief takes, and grief may not even begin with the loss itself. Indeed, a phenomenon known as anticipatory grief roars to life before the loss. For example, when your spouse is diagnosed with an illness that's not yet severe, but likely will be, or there are travel restrictions that will prevent you from seeing your significant other for an indefinite amount of time. Number three, the stages of grief are not set in stone. Psychiatrist Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross famously introduced the five stages of grief in 1969. Since then, they've become part of the common lexicon of loss. What are they? All together now, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. However, it's little known that Dr. Kubler-Ross's stages were based on interviews with individuals with terminal illness. These were supposed to be the stages the dying went through, not the bereaved. Now, this is not to say the stages are wrong. Indeed, time and experience have generalized the five stages to loss of all kinds. The point is, to paraphrase Dr. Kubler-Ross herself, that while many people recognize their experience in these stages they're not meant as a formula for healing. Instead, you may experience some or all of the stages in any given order, or even none at
2: all.
0: Just go to NetSuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's NetSuite.com slash podcast25.
3: Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called The Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. TheAnxietyCoachesPodcast.com. Because healing begins the first time you listen. So we've already said that
1: there's no right way to grieve and there's no stopwatch on grief and even the supposed stages of grief are not set in stone. Another important thing to know, thing number four, is that there's a difference between getting support and feeling supported. So feeling supported is different from the common advice to get support. Conventional wisdom says that when grief strikes, we're supposed to reach out to everyone we've ever known for that elusive concept of support. However, especially for the introverts among us, You may just need support from a few close people who really get you. As long as you feel supported and not alone or abandoned, whatever number of people you choose to share this with is sufficient. You don't have to broadcast your loss to the world. And this one is one of the most important. Tip number five, if onlys are common but probably not helpful. If only we had more personal protective equipment. If only we had gone to the doctor sooner if only we'd been more careful. The words if only are a red flag for guilt and blame, two emotions that will eat away at your already broken heart. Gently let them go. If only's imply that you were in control. While there may have been a tiny slice of pie under your control, remember that the vast majority of the situation probably was not. And know that in grief, you are equally fragile and strong. So treat yourself as such. Let's look at this from both angles. First, in grief, you are fragile. So take good care of yourself. Don't buy into the myth that unless you feel tortured, you're not truly grieving. Don't equate misery with loyalty. Instead, rest, eat, exercise, treat yourself with great gentleness and care but know that you are also strong. And being strong doesn't mean you have to be an unmoving, unfeeling rock. Think of strength as being like a rubber band instead, flexible and resilient. You can handle sobbing or feeling like you're about to explode or pain so deep that you think you'll die yourself. In short, you can handle strong emotion. It's awful, but with the help of loved ones who hold you up, you'll find strength that you didn't know you had. And next, don't forget that remembering is healing. Go ahead and look at pictures, reminisce, and remember good times. Talk to people who knew your loved one or are familiar with your lost circumstances. You may even hear a new story like how your late father used to serenade your mother. Or you may learn something new like how your friend of 20 years could ride a unicycle or hated raisins. Who knows? Just as love doesn't stop, your relationship with a person or a place or idea doesn't stop when they're gone. And even as you're remembering, also know that things will and will not ever be normal again. You can't go back but you can move forward, there will be a new normal. Grieving takes time. Don't believe anyone who says you should be over it by now. And triggers are normal. Anniversaries of the loss, visiting a bakery you and a deceased loved one once frequented together, or even weather patterns that remind you of an event or a person can trigger a wave of grief, even years after the fact. Milestones at celebrations like weddings, holidays, or graduations may be bittersweet and also spark fresh grief. You may have thoughts like, if only he could see you in your wedding dress, he'd be so proud. Or, I wish mom could have seen you graduate from college. But as long as you hold memories, those people are with you. That's true even if it's not the same as having them close and even when it's not what you'd prefer. So as you're feeling supported by loved ones, giving yourself the room to be fragile and strong at the same time, watching out for those if onlys and remembering and allowing this new normal to form, sometimes a sort of complicated thing can come up and that can really trip people up. So this last tip and also one of the most important ones is to know that it's okay to feel positive emotions. If you've lost a loved one who suffered, you'll probably feel some relief or freedom when they die. You may be happy the suffering is over. If the person was cruel to you or otherwise had a complicated relationship with you, you may even be glad that they're gone. The bottom line is feel what you feel. Whatever your brain comes up with is what you need. Grief comes in waves, the waves will get gentler. And further apart as time passes. But when reminders pop up, the waves will intensify again. It's hard, but try to surf the wave, by which I mean watch and acknowledge your grief, name it, allow yourself to feel it. You'll get better at surfing as time goes on, and you get to know the patterns of the seasons and the years. In the meantime, a great book to help you cope with grief is the 1978 classic. When Bad Things Happen to Good People by Rabbi Harold Kushner. Drawn from personal experience, he offers comfort and hope to anyone dealing with loss or sorrow. In addition, for validation after a sudden loss, read Cheryl Sandberg's powerful essay on her Facebook page marking the 30 days since her husband's tragic death. Thank you so much for listening, and I wish you strength and good care in your grief. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at QDT Savvy Psych and at Jadewoo PhD. Don't forget to leave a review for the show on potchaser.com to help meals on wheels. I'll put a link to my Potchaser listing in the show notes. And if you like psychology tips delivered straight to your inbox, subscribe to the Savvy Psychologist newsletter. And you can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Karen Hertzberg. As always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.
0: Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle?